Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I am one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson. Now, our second host, Casey Clapp, moments ago said, Alex, I've got to pee. Start without me. So here I am. Casey's in the bathroom. (laughs) I'm having a Garth from Wayne's World moment. But I decided to start the show, and I really don't know what else to say. Oh, the door is open. Casey, thank God. <laughs> Casey has returned. What's been happening in my absence? Um, I panicked, my man. I couldn't hear anything. <laughs> oh. Just forget what to say, not have anything to say. Yeah, I don't know. Usually we have a talk, we have a back and forth <laughs> rapport, and when there was no forth, I was like, I'm going back. Hey, anyway, it's good to... I don't know. <laughs> if I were better, if I were better at my job, I probably could have. I probably could have done something. We just got to get you in the radio host style, not the co-host, but just the radio host, where you just talk. The microphone is your audience, right? Yeah. Hey guys, it's Alex Croson here, I, listening yeah. to a nice bit of jazz this morning. The last thing we heard was from Casey flushing that toilet. <laughs> I should have played some jazz. That would have been a good intro. Yeah, that would have been great. And just kind of like uh, just going to your old, uh, you know, college DJ uh, life. Oh, yeah. My my forgotten life as a college DJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, everyone's <laughs> forgotten life. Casey, how are you? Doing just great. Have great. Uh, some family in town getting ready to go up to the mountain for a wedding. It's going to oh, be nice. Oh, wow. Congrats Join. to the 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 betrothed i will let them know you said so thanks <laughs> Should be very and they'll good. say who is that i'm like oh okay thank th- thank you i don't think people uh if they are getting married i think oftentimes uh. they're just like oh thank you they don't care what it is they just sure. are now conditioned to say thank you because everyone's gonna say congratulations yeah and then later you're like yeah yeah the devil says uh good job okay thank you tell him thank you Satan himself. Yeah, wait, wait, who? Who's this letter from? <laughs> Beelzebub. Wow. Uh, Casey. Beelzebub. Get out of here. No. At some point, hey, how about this? At the end of the show, what might be a good idea is for me to go to the bathroom and you to do the outro. By oh, that would, be, that would be perfect. <laughs> Just put a nice bow on it. Yeah. Uh, Case, we are talking about a treat today. All right, let's do it. As we do. 
every week. I am horribly unprepared, but I got it. I'll, I'll spitball this one. Wow, I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> I was hoping to be like a, in Anchorman when he's like, "Oh no, I couldn't. I'm not prepared." And then he slides his flute <laughs> out of his his thing. He's yeah, like, "Wow, yeah. he was ready to go." It's like a flute sheath yeah, somewhere. Ex- exactly. I got my. It's in my long sleeves that I'm wearing. Yeah, your long johns. Yeah. Hey, can I say? Um, you said you you joke that you're not prepared. Uh-huh. I am not joking when I say I'm not prepared, <laughs> and the reason being, I was gonna get some stuff done this morning. Mm-hmm. Not that I didn't have time, True. but I slept so fucking hard last night. Uh, yeah, I mm-hmm. felt like a corpse. Like I woke up and I wow. was like, I feel like I weigh a thousand pounds. I wasn't even sure I could move when I woke up. But I slept so hard. Now, did it feel good? Yeah. Like, are you like, I feel rejuvenated? Yes, because Excellent. if you listen to last episode, you will know that I now have a standing desk, uh-huh. and I've been standing at it all day <laughs> for two days straight. My body is so tired. So I really needed the rest, and I woke yeah. up, and I felt a lot better. Excellent. However, my brain is... Much like London, it's quite foggy, my boy. Ah, foggy Alex Brainton. Yes. Yeah, all right. Well, this is going to be an episode for you then. I'll do all the talking. What does that mean? Uh, oh, you can no. just sit there and be like almost asleep. Yeah, and, I don't want to uh, give yeah. you that green light. Oh, what? Of you do all the Shit. talking. Uh, Casey, let's get into this week's tree. We let's are covering it. the umbrella pine. Correct. Now, I said it in that fashion instead of umbrella pine. I oh. said umbrella pine. Okay. Because this is a hyphenated pine. Yes. Umbrella hyphen pine, mm-hmm. which means that it's not a real pine. Yes, nor is it a real umbrella, Alex. Oh, Casey. It is. Could you stand underneath it if it were raining? Would it protect uh, you at all? Actually, yeah, it would. It would. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Uh, I think technically, um, I don't know if it's the best. Port Orford cedar, bar none. Go underneath one of those, you wow. will stay dry. Wow. In a squall. Okay. This one, I think you're probably going to start getting some drips coming down. This should have been a category in our, uh, maybe next year, in our Tournament of Champion Trees. Ah, uh, which one? Uh, wet Hair wetness? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's capaciousness uh, as it relates to hair wetness. Yeah, we got to come up with some intense term about that. Yeah. Um, we'll do it next yeah. year. But capaciousness, I think, sounds good. Okay. Yeah, all right. We'll figure that out. I'll come up with an equation to make sure that it is <laughs> no, you will. very scientific. <laughs> Casey, let's imagine that you and I are... Well, here's the here's the deal, Case. I'm so yeah. unprepared. I don't even know where this thing grows. Oh, so where give me I a place this. we could be walking around and find okay. one of these things. Um I will just say almost literally anywhere in the mountains of Japan. Okay. You and I are trekking through the mountains of Japan. Yep. I don't know how we've gotten here. You I mean, must have you must have drugged me. Yeah, yeah. You, I shanghaied you on a on a plane. <laughs> oh God! You woke up stuck in uh, in a completely different place, unable to know where you are or, or escape. That's just terrible. Yeah. And we come across some umbrella pine. That's right. Let's ID this tree. So first thing you're gonna notice is it looks like it has. Not the whole shape of an umbrella. You recall we did a species called the umbrella thorn. Yes. That, the whole tree looked like an umbrella. That was very reminiscent of an, of an umbrella. Yeah. Now, this is not the whole tree reminiscing of umbrellas. It is a tree that has leaves. I'm not going to say leaves in quotes right here, and I won't tell you why. 
the leaves uh, have a parasol shape to them. So as they come out from the twig, there's a nice, nice twig, and then at the end, there's just this perfect like uh, spiral of leaves that comes out. But it's a very tight spiral, so you can't see that it's a spiral. It just looks like a circle or a whirl of of leaves coming out. It looks very much like a like a like a marijuana leaf. What? Are we looking at the right plant? Give me the give me the name of yeah. the uh, give me the scientific name. Okay, case. see, this is, uh, is a big, great example of why we should always use scientific names. That's right. Thank and, you, Linnaeus. Yeah, exactly. You, you, my heart. Um, it is Cyadopides verticillata. And oh. I'll, I'll tell you. Yeah, you want to sound? Yeah, you, I'm gonna I'm gonna need how to spell that. <laughs> this is S C I A D O P I T Y S. Space. I got it, Casey. Verticulata. Google Not filled it in. Verticulata. I learned that. I spelled it wrong multiple times. It's verticulata. Okay, this is not the tree I thought it was. Oh, thank this God! This is not the tree I'm looking for. Okay, you have have you found uh, have you found the correct droids? Yes, okay. I have found the correct tree, and it looks it does look like a pine tree. Yes. So here's uh, here's the broad spectrum. Starting from afar, you're gonna see a a what looks like a pine tree. You'll say that looks like a pine tree. Yeah. As you walk closer, you'll notice that the bark is very shaggy and kind of a a brown fibrous reddish color. Hmm. So it is it. It looks a lot more like things in the cypress family. Oh yeah, it's very, uh, it's it's very um, uh, what red cedar, yes, type bark. Totally red cedar, the giant sequoia, the uh, cryptomeria. A lot of those things in that cypress side of the world yeah. have this long, shaggy red bark. Like the western red cedar is the perfect example. Yeah. So you see that, and you're like, "Wow, that's kind of weird for a pine tree." Pine trees usually don't have. In fact, I don't think I can think of a single example of a fibrous, shaggy barked. Uh, pine tree. They're usually way harder and they're kind of puzzle piecey or if they're not, you know, furrowed. Yeah. So this little guy uh, can get up to about 100 feet. Uh, generally, it's not going to be a gigantic tree. I think the biggest one is 27 meters tall. So that's like maybe uh, 125 feet. That's, that's like, the biggest? That's the biggest. That's the tallest. Yeah. yeah it's like maybe uh, the big thing is the, the diameter is like uh, upwards of 18 feet. So Wow. Huge, but not tall. You know? Jeez. So that's pretty cool. You know, you're like, okay, this is Pretty, pretty interesting thing. Uh, 18 feet. Sorry, I misspoke 12. Uh, 4.1 okay. meters, 4.1 times 3 is, in fact, closer to, uh, instead of 20, more like 12. That's still so, impressive. Yeah, 12 to 15 feet, pretty good size tree. Still a thick-ass tree. It's real thick. It's got really nice two fibrous C's. wood. It's a thick with two C's trees. Yeah. Is that an Allen thick tree? Yeah. Who are you, from the 90s? <laughs> so as you walk closer, Alex, you'll notice that the the leaves start to look really different. Yeah. It's an evergreen tree. It is a conifer, and it has these dense, uh, these dense, heavy, dark, very lustrous green needles on it. And the thing about them, some of them will, uh, they have like different cultivars where they're kind of a little yellower, a little uh, lime green. But generally speaking, they're going to be a really dark, lustrous green color. You'll get up, you'll look at these little twigs, and you'll notice that they are all very tufted at the end. Sometimes you have a twig that comes up, and there's like a layer or two of, uh, of foliage coming out. Hmm. But for the most part, you actually will see that it comes up, and there is just one, one twig with one group of needles at the very end. Okay. And that's about it. 
they, it kind of does it uh, depending on the health of the tree. If it's a cultivar, there's there's a couple different varieties that kind of do different things. Like they don't so much grow along the twig, they grow at the end of the twig? Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. But sometimes they would grow, and because they're evergreen, they'll, they'll stay for a couple years. So you'd have some that grow uh, here. Then the bud in the middle grows out, so you have that one kind of skirt with two other twigs coming up, or maybe a series of twigs that grew up just a little bit, so you get like really uh, a parasol on a parasol on a parasol with okay. two parasols coming out on the left and right. Oh, wow. Great imagery, Casey. <laughs> yeah, it's really beautiful. Here, let me, uh, let me show you the photo. Can you imagine that? Just like, that has to be like some art installation. Okay, you, just you know what? I gave you shit, things. but I gotta be honest, that does look like a parasol on top of a parasol <laughs> on top of a parasol. With two parasols on the left and the right. Yes. Thank you. I'm sorry. Uh, you know what? It Do looks this- like a water feature. Like it would be at a water park oh, yeah. and, and out of each of those parasols, mm. water would spray and yeah. children would laugh and play among the very umbrella giddy. pine. Yeah, exactly. The umbe- umbrella pine squirting water out in every direction. Yeah. That would be gorgeous. Yeah. Like even though the water's off, you would be like, wow, that's a really nice like art piece made of pipes. Yeah. That's like, that's like a modernist courtyard thing. I love this idea. I want to see if I can <laughs> Who do we somehow contact? do this. Yeah, yeah. Where, where's the next uh, like uh, like water park designer? Oh, wow. We could say, make me a forest of water trees. Mm. Casey oh, threw his head back in, in, in elation. That would be so much fun. <laughs> I would love that. Casey, can we talk about the cone? Yes. Because yeah. I didn't know this was a conifer. Okay. You said it was not a true pine. Correct. And so I thought that it maybe wasn't a true conifer. Mm-hmm. And also the pictures that I saw, mistakenly saw, had big like palm-like leaves on it. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. I was looking at. I don't know either. Um, <laughs> this is, this cone, I'm going to I'm gonna describe yeah, this give cone, it, Yeah, give us, uh, give us a description here. This cone, in its young form, okay. is peltate, right? I'm I'm gonna say yes. It has shield like. It looks like it does. Yes, yeah. I I will I'll give you that. Yes, it looks like a sequoia cone. I was just gonna say that it looks just like a sequoia yes. cone. Yes. Yeah. However, as it ages, uh-huh. it opens up and starts to look a bit like a pine cone. Yeah, it looks to me mostly like a a, a fatter, wider Douglas fir cone. A okay. Lot of time. Or maybe a hemlock cone. But then. I'm seeing some mature ones here that I think maybe have already dropped their seeds and are kind of drying in the sun. Uh-huh. To me, they look like larch cones. Yeah, totally. This is a cone for all seasons. It's everything you want in a cone. Wow. Why yeah. have we not done this for cone of the month? We're going to do it yeah, this year for agreed. sure. Whole, absolutely. Put it on the docket. If you're an artist out there and you really want to draw this cone, submit your artist drawings to completelyarbitrary.com slash arbitrarypod. Uh, CO, Alex Croson, Cone of the Month Club, uh, .edu. See, I can never let you go on like marketing campaigns by yourself. <laughs> I just don't know what I'm saying. 404s everywhere. <laughs> it was like I looked up exactly what he said, <laughs> and it was it was the, the arbitrary's fans only. Uh, Casey. Did I get it right this <laughs> no, time? No, <laughs> you can't. Oh, my God. Did you do that for real? I tried, Alex. Oh I was my god! Trying. I thought you were playing into the trope that you think it's called fans only. No. But no, you really thought you yeah. really thought you nailed it. This I was time. making a completely different joke, so I didn't wow. want like I didn't want my first joke to get overshadowed by my second joke. So I took the second joke and made it a serious point. It's worlds within worlds, I can barely keep up. I'm ashamed. <laughs> um. Anyway, this cone. Who am I, Casey Clapp? Anyway. Yeah, anyway. This cone. Regardless. Is 
gorgeous it's and really thing. cool and so diverse. It has a lot of different stages. Yeah. It looks like a different things at different stages. 100% right. Now, I, w- I should note that it is um, a cone that has a central uh, axis. Uh-huh. So the cones lay down and have like this really thickened kind of bottom piece. And then they look, they just have the appearance of a peltate scale, but they are in fact uh, all spirally arranged yeah. along this, this central axis. Very cool. It's very cool. So they just look like one. They are in fact not that. But here's the thing. They are not even in the pine family. This has been a tree that has freaked people out for so long. Mm. Botanists have been like, that is a you. No, that's in the pine family. No, I think that might actually be in a different family. And then they're like, no, 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 no. This is beyond it, it, all these things. Wow. It gets its own family. So it is the monotypic species in the genus Cydopides. Really? Which is the monotypic genus in the family Skyadopitaceae. And some nice people... Job, Case. Thank you. I'm really trying to get this right. <laughs> some people even put it all the way up to the level of order. Really? So there is... I think that would be Skyadopitaeales. No, Skyadopitaeales. Yeah. Or maybe Skyadopitaeales. Or maybe Skyadopitaeales. Yeah, it might, it's one of the two. I don't wow, know. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, so it is a weird weird group uh, or a weird it's, it's it is a group in and of itself but it's a weird plant that taxonomically really gets people to be like what is it i thought this thing was derivative mm. of cedars and and yeah. sequoias yeah most people and pines do. but mm-hmm. this thing's a trendsetter it is and it's been doing it or it and its ilk for 230 million years. This was my next question. Yeah. Is this an ancient tree because it sure seems like it is. It is. What about it? it why did I th- why did I assume that? Honestly, well, I here's my here's my thought. Okay. I think when you see a tree and you look at it and things just seem a little weird, yeah. They make you think like that doesn't just happen. And if it is a little weird, it probably happened a long time ago when things like now all the things you see like, oh, it's kind of what pine trees look like. It's kind of what maple trees look like. like they kind of have this very generalized right. scheme. And when you see something that is way off from that scheme and you can't, your brain can usually trace back that scheme. You're like, okay, this makes sense. Back to here, back mm-hmm. to here, back to here. And why we are at this like, you know, level. When you see something that's so like just so subtly weird and different, where you're like, that must that's not of this time. Yeah. That had to have come from some other some other past where the, the whole world was different for whatever reason. Yeah. Cause so, yeah. usually things make sense, you know, usually in trees I, I can make sense of things, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Like pine trees look and behave like pine trees. Cedars exactly look and behave right. like cedars, and then you, something like this comes along. I don't even know yeah. where to put that exactly because it, it matches like between a bunch of different things, like you were saying, the cones specifically. Yeah. Now, here's what makes this even more interesting, Alex. Okay. The leaves are actually little teeny tiny growths along the main stem. Growths. Yeah, I will show you this picture that I showed you again, and we'll we'll link to it. Do you? <laughs> this see- is the umbrella on umbrellas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is like a botanical drawing of the tree. Yeah. Um, made sometime way back when. Now you'll notice that there are these big green parasol-looking things. Mm-hmm. Everyone says they look like the the spines of you know an umbrella, like the arms that reach out and hold it up. Yeah. So it's not technically the parasol. It is the parasol. Uh, 
studs. It's like the veins. Yes, thank you. So notice that there are these little dots along the stem. Yeah, those little nodes. Exactly. They're not lenticels. Those are actually the leaves of this tree. They are brown, they're very small, and they just lay next to the stem. Okay. The green thing that you see there uh-huh. is actually elongated stem tissue, and it's called a cladode. C-L-A-D-O-D-E. This is huge. It's really weird. Cladode. Cladode. So it's essentially elongated stem tissue that has the chlorophyll inside of it. Uh, I I might I have a one word question. Okay. Why? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Twenty two hundred thirty million hell? years ago, this was like, all right, guys, I got a great idea. How about we don't we don't fuck with leaves? Wow. Let's just put it right in the stem and grow our stem out. And the plant was like, yeah, that's sick. Let's do it. It's going to be a hot trend forever. All of the rest of these trees died out in the Jurassic, and uh, this is the only one left. So, you know. Wow. You shouldn't be the first, uh, and you shouldn't be the last of a fashion, but this, the Cyadopides, uh, is. It's the last of a fashion. Now, I have a few follow-up questions. I'm sure people are wondering. All right. Does this tree still photosynthesize through its leaves? No. It photosynthesizes through these lowercase leaves, these claydodes? Yes, correct. Wow. Yeah. Now, I should admit, and I I don't like to take a hard stance on things all the time. I'm going to take a hard stance on this because I love it. But uh, in conifers.org, they say, quote, photosynthetic leaves variously interpreted as a pair of true leaves fused together or as highly modified shoots, claydodes. So, I think that they are claydodes. I love that. I'm always a fan of the more interesting option for something. Oh, sure, yeah. And if the scientists are going back and forth and like, we don't know, what is what is it? Is it this? Is it that? I'm just going to be like, who cares? Call it a claydode, high-five each other, and go out and have a good day. <laughs> don't worry about trying to say, oh, these wow. like, who wants to bore it down and say, oh, these are just two leaves that are fused together? Lame and boring. <clears throat> so you think calling so them claydodes is more interesting. Yeah, it's so much more cooler. Okay, yeah. so my, I guess my next question is, um, does is is this a an evergreen tr- it tree? Is. Yes. Okay, so its leaves stay on its leaves, capital uh-huh. L. Yeah, its proper leaves stay mm-hmm. on that twig. Yeah, year round. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're brown, so really, it's an ever brown tree. If you look at the 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 true capital L leaves along the stem. This is so curious. Isn't it wild? Let me give you another example to help uh, everyone out there kind of conceptualize if you're just listening, which is usually what people do to our podcast. Have you ever had asparagus? Yes. You know when you get asparagus, it has those little triangles on the side of the stem? Mm -hmm. Like we eat the shoot. The shoot is the green thing that is photosynthetic, and the little tiny leaves, are those are the same way. So the asparagus is considered a... Claydode. Oh, the little the little pointy flaps on the side yeah, of the of exactly. the asparagus or the leaves. Those are the leaves, and the the stalk, the part that we eat, uh-huh. the bud at the end is the claydode. Exactly. Well, not the bud, the whole stalk. The is whole the stalk, yeah, including the bud. Exactly. Wow. As far as my research knows, I actually don't know what the rest of a uh, an asparagus plant looks like, so I'm just going to leave it at that. It sounds but, like a good Patreon yeah, episode. There you go. Hey, yeah. what is 
asparagus. And why does it make your pee smell? Oh, that's a question for the ages. Casey, we have so much more to say about this umbrella pine. Yeah, we sure do. But it would be it would be so silly of us to do it before a break. Oh, yeah. No, we can't do that. You got to take a second and kind of like breathe in and breathe out. Yeah. Well, we're sure going to give you some time know. to process all the information <laughs> we just gave you. We'll be right back. More Completely Arbitrary. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. We hope you had some time to process yeah. the startling revelation of whatever this tree is. Leaves are not leaves. They are, in fact, stems. The other leaves are just brown. Who cares? Play-dodes, Casey. Yeah, exactly. Uh, today we're talking, I'm going to call it the Japanese umbrella pine. Uh, is that okay? Y- yeah. Yeah, I think that's fine. Is that what it's called? Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, a umbrella pine, Japanese umbrella pine, uh, umbrella pine, or uh, as known in Japan, the koyomaki. Koyomaki. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, that is so. There's no. This is an, another one of those trees where there's no. Um, this is the only kind. So the indigenous language that initially named it mm-hmm. is the only name for it. Any other name is just us making up some westernized version. I see. So that's why it's umbrella pines, because it looks like an umbrella. Great. That's a good start. It looks like a pine. And then that's just a complete failure because we don't have we don't have any word for it. So but we're uh English speakers, the old ones especially, are like Koyomaki, that's not going to work. Let's call it the umbrella pine right. instead. So it's fine because it looks like an umbrella pine. It looks like a pine it, that looks like an umbrella. So it kind of makes sense. I think it's mm. a good, it's a good English name, uh, in my opinion, because it it looks like both of those things. Yeah. But uh, I also enjoy the, like I said, we've said this before, the indigenous names of things. Uh, Koyomaki just sounds so much more interesting. Yeah, I think I'll make that the title of this episode. Yeah, there you go. Um. Also, I, I don't know if I've always wondered about this. You know, pepperoncinis. Uh huh. I've always wondered because I, if like I know, I started noticing them at like places, and they started calling them banana peppers. Oh yeah. And yeah. I'm always curious, like, is banana pepper a different pepper than a pepperoncini? Mm, I don't think so. No, I don't. I don't know. Banana don't peppers might be a variety of pepperoncini yeah, and like a, a little question. milder. Because hmm. to me, like a, a pepperoncini is kind of spicy. Yeah. I mean, it's got a, it's got a little bit of heat to it, 
but a banana pepper yeah. just has like a tang like it just tastes like a pickled pepper weird i wonder i, I don't have any idea what the difference would be yeah maybe maybe it's like one's peppered oh, i'm sorry pickled the other is just like raw. oh potentially i don't know no i think pepperoncinis are also pickled hey you know what i'm gonna reach out to spencer huey or i could just google oh, but yeah. I, i'd like to yeah, catch yeah, up yeah. With reach spencer. out say, say hi <laughs> tell him i say hi <laughs> all right casey well this is the second episode in our, I would say, trilogy with a mm-hmm. prelude. Yes. Or with a with a postlude, rather, um, about symbiosis. Correct. I'm very interested to hear how symbiosis plays a part in the existence of Kayomaki. I am so happy you asked, Alex. So last week, we chatted about the idea of a symbiotic relationship in a, I would argue, in a traditional kind of way. Where, yeah. like, and I say traditional in that symbiosis, and I was talking with um, uh, my family that's in town today, and essentially, uh, they were saying, now, where is the line, or we had the discussion of where is the line between uh, mutual parasitism and symbiosis, and basically <laughs> kind of uh, twisted on its head. Sure. And I was, it was, I, I kind of like, was like, oh, it's kind of a, I, I said it was six one way, half a dozen another. Mm-hmm. Like, you can look at it in either way. One is like, both things are motivated by themselves, for themselves, and they just happen to also benefit the other persons. Like, the tree sucks nutrients oh. from the, the, the fungus, the fungus sucks sugars from the tree. None of them are doing it because they're mag or they're like you know having a good time with each other. Right. They're doing it because they're like, okay, yeah, I can get this. I have an in. I'm going to do it. Yeah. It's better not to kill the tree than I can always get these things. They don't so, talk about it beforehand, like ex- you yeah, and I might. Exactly. Like so, but then you know, if we are humans and we're saying, oh look, they're working together. <laughs> right. That is that's that's good. That is a positive, mutual, beneficial uh, relationship. Symbiosis. Uh, it's good. It's nice. Do you think that's a do you think that's an okay characterization? I think it is. I think it's an okay characterization okay. because it essentially says um it's just another way of looking at the way the world is. Mm-hmm. So if it's more of a uh let's take all emotion out of everything. Um don't give a good or a bad that is like on a larger scale. Just look at it from a what does this fungus need and it's going to go about getting that. And then over yeah. millions of years, if that fungus always got what it needs from that tree and killed that tree every single time, that fungus would die because it would kill what it is using to, uh, mm. you know, to live. So it ended up benefiting the fungus more to not kill the tree and yeah. just take a little bit for a long time. And that worked out way better. It's the vampire feeder thing. Yes, exactly right. We talk about this all the time. <laughs> yes, every episode at least. Duh. <laughs> so that, and then the tree would be doing the same thing with uh, with the fungus. The, the essentially is like, uh, if I put my root over here, I get nutrients. That's great. Hmm. So I don't know. I think it's. Uh, I think it's. I think it works either way. If you look at it from a they got in a relationship for in whatever reason. Now they're both like, yeah, this is good. Yeah, and they're they're both for it. Then that seems more like uh, the the other is the extension of the one. Whereas um, I gave the example of like gut biome, like we have a bunch yeah. of things inside of us. Are they doing their work because 
They're like, yeah, I want this body to be healthy. Or they just like, yeah, feed me. I'm living. That's all I really care about. Yeah. So who knows? It's You, you can't add those emotional sort of like uh, ideologies onto it. Sure. And provide that uh, better than, worse than morality kind of, you know, question. Hmm. Anyway, that's kind of a bit of an aside. But mainly we we're just talking about uh, you have this mutual symbiosis. And that is what the alder has with the Frankia, where the Frankia gets inside and literally infects the root hairs, but is pulled into the cortisol cells or cortex cells of the of the tree, but they're they're just in there, but they're not actually inside the cells. They're not actually physically inside the other thing other than within this capsule. Yeah. This node. So they're still two separate things. I think that is the best analogous for uh the the gut biome we have in our stomachs, right? Yeah. They're independent things. They're doing their own thing. They could or could not live without us because this is their perfect home, but they are inside but not a part of. Sure. They're separate things. So what we're talking about today is when that line gets blurred mm. a bit. and The, the line of, of uh, something being inside something else. And being separate And being things. separate. When and how do they become the same thing? Sure. Well, I, I've, got a, I've got a bit of an example Ooh. before we move on. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. And tell me if I'm on the right track here. We've talked about chlorophyll. Yes. Uh, chloroplast. Um, yeah. Well, chloroplast uh, has chlorophyll in it. So okay. chloroplast is what you're looking for. We've talked about chloroplast and its, yeah. and its original, its origin story. Uh-huh. How it was it it's it was an algae that lived on its own. Yeah. And then it moved into leaves. Yes. <laughs> Alex, that's exactly what we're talking about today. Really? Yes. <laughs> so uh Wow, I nailed it. You cannot get any more perfect of an example. <laughs> <laughs> that is the term is endosymbiosis. Endosymbiosis meaning yes. meaning uh, outside. Uh, inside. Inside. Yes. What inside. am I thinking of? Ecto. Ecto or exo. Okay. Yeah. Exo. Uh, that yeah, we used to talk about um, our biscular mycorrhizal fungi um, as ectomycorrhizal fungi, and there's also endomycorrhizal right. fungi. So we used to say endo and ecto, and now I believe it's endo and arbiscular. Arbiscular yeah. is outside. Correct. And they then send in these things that go, uh, they make these big sheaths around. But I could be getting that wrong. It has never been clear to me if that change was ever made or if there's just like someone said, we're going to call these outer and these ones are inner. So I, it's, it's not quite clear to me. I haven't done the research on that. Okay. Regardless, we have uh, in our story today, we've chosen this tree because um, the way back when, one, you know, I guess 230 million years ago, mm -hmm. this tree decided they didn't need to put their chlorophyll into leaves. They just kept it in these weird stem shoots and then just grew those out. And who knows how that developed, you know, way, 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 way back when. Yeah. But. They ended up basically taking a different strategy, and they said, we are going to keep these weird things, fill those with all of our chloroplasts, and then they are going to do our photosynthesizing. Now, I have a question about – I have a, it's a sort of a technical question okay. about that. Point of order. Um Hoorah, hoorah. Wait, yes. what do they say in like a British court? They don't uh, say hoorah, hoorah. Mm, 
know. I don't know what they say. Anyway. Usually, I say they say uh, they usually yell, "Sit down, sir." <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Uh, and with their wigs in 2022. Oh, I love I love some of those things it's when they're just like yelling. Uh, I think Robin Williams said that um, you have the House of Lords and the House of Commons, which is essentially the House of Lords with a two-drink minimum or something like that. <laughs> it, was, it was really good because they just yell at each other and say wacky That's things. so funny. It's, it was really good. The two-drink minimum. Um, okay, so if this tree uh-huh. has leaves, but it doesn't use those leaves for chlorophyll, yeah, and it puts the chlorophyll in these stem shoots mm-hmm. or these is stem yeah uh extenders yeah extendos extendos yeah why doesn't that make that a leaf oh what a good question when does a Alex? leaf become a leaf <laughs> there's another comedian who was uh, i think oh, i can't even remember the guy's name off the top of my head uh but he was talking about uh some scientists who saw that the uh, the male um uh horse Fish, fish horse. What am I thinking? Sea seahorse. Seahorse. Thank yeah. you. Uh, that the male held onto the babies, right? And they were like, "Why don't you just call that one, that one the female?" Yeah. And he's like, "Shut up." <laughs> they just stuck with it. Yes. Okay. This is a very good question. Okay. So in the very very first plants, like the OG plant A, the very very first one. Yeah. They had they they noticed it had very specific things. It had these organs that were leaves. It had organs that were stems, and mm-hmm. it had roots. And those are the only things that it had. Okay. So those are the three big things. And whenever you define a um, a leaf, it always has a bud at the base of it. Oh. So whenever you are looking anywhere in the plant world, even in conifers, if you look really closely, Uh there is an individual bud per each individual leaf, although it is like really reduced and like essentially evolved away. Okay. It's kind of like the tailbone in humans. Yeah. We used to have a connected tail, theoretically. Now we just see this very old remnant that doesn't really do anything. Interesting. So it's the same thing where you see this bud that's right there. So they say, well, these are certainly leaves. We know that because each leaf has a bud next to it, and that's what defines a leaf. Wow. Okay, so these these little extra shoots yeah. on, the, on the umbrella pine don't have little buds underneath them. Yes. But the ones on the stem do. Yes. The leaves on the stem do. That would be the theory. So I'm not a, like microbiologist or microbotanist in that what they would do is take like the tiniest little slivers of tissue Mm -hmm. and then cut them so you have like these almost like nothing amount of of tissue and you'd look at those it's completely see-through because you're almost cutting it at a cellular level jeez and they would look at these with intense microscopes and they'd say okay I see this piece of anatomy, this piece of anatomy, and they kind of do just cuts on cuts on cuts on cuts, and they do like a hundred within like a millimeter. Mm. And then you can see where this thing pops up. It's like getting an MRI where you essentially have a view from your body going down. Yeah. It's really, really weird, but you can see like, okay, there's uh, this part, then this part, then this part, then this part. Like you're looking at a, a series of pictures coming down your body. You know, there's my eyeballs. Oh, they're gone. Yeah. Okay. Then now, now okay, there's my neck. Okay. Uh, there's my chest. Okay. I see now the bones like appear and then go yeah, away. Yeah. So it's a very similar, similar okay. thing. Um, so what they would do is they would look. And so I don't know why there is some people saying there is no bud here. Hmm. So these are not leaves. If they're not leaves, they are stem tissue because that's the only kind of other kind of tissue that would yeah. look like this. And then they say, so this must be a not 
leaf, so therefore it's a cladode. If they, other people said, no, 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 there it is. That is a bud at the base of this leaf, and this leaf now just grows this way, so it would have a dimorphic growth pattern. Some leaves grow like those little ones on the stem. Yeah. Some of them grow to be really long and photosynthetic. I don't know. Wow. I haven't read the studies to and, and heard people make their uh, distinctions one way or the other. So let's theor- let's can we can we extrapolate a little bit? Yeah. If you find that there is no bud, uh-huh. and those are not leaves on the stem, yeah. And if they're not leaves on the end of the stem, uh-huh. the green leaf-looking things aren't leaves. Yeah. Does, would that mean this is not a tree and not not this? Does that mean that this has no leaves and is therefore not a tree? Uh, no, it can still be a tree. It's clearly, obviously, a plant. Right? Yeah, yeah. But it just would have the photosyntheticness in a different part in the stems. Uh, let me give you another example: a cactus. A cactus, um, say a prickly pear or a saguaro, saguaro, mm-hmm. anything like that. All those big prickles, all those spines coming off, yeah. those are actually highly modified leaves. And all of the photosynthesis happens inside the stem tissue that we see as the body of the cactus. Oh, wow. So that is another example where there's no leaves like to speak of most of the time on most cactuses. Uh, cacti, pardon me. But aren't cacti not trees? They're not trees, but they're plants. And so you would say, like, this is clearly a tree. It's got one single stem. It makes wood. It grows very high. Yeah. So it meets our definition of what a tree would be sure. by almost any definition you can imagine. However, it, if it doesn't have leaves, but it's still photosynthesizing, then the photosynthesis, uh, the, those little chloroplasts, would be in some other place. Yeah. In this case, it would be modified stem tissue or modified shoots. The cladodes. Exactly. So it would still meet that, but you can also have um, like parasitic plants that don't have any chlorophyll at all, potentially not even leaves because who cares if they don't need them. Uh, the mistletoe or the Indian pipe is a mm. similar thing like that where they just grow off the nutrients from whatever they're plugged into, and some of them have zero chlorophyll. Some of them have zero uh, ability to live outside of their parasitic partner. Wow. So this is not the case for this tree. Yeah. But if you don't need them or you've you've chosen a different path, then that's just that you're just as good. Okay. So it all has chlorophyll, uh the this this tree does, and it has them inside these chloroplasts. And just as you brought up earlier, the chloroplasts did not used to be and have different DNA from the actual plant it is inside. Right. <sighs> Every time I say that, it blows my mind. I know, that's so cool. The other example is uh, mitochondria. And I think we talked about this way back when on our What is a Leaf episode. Mm, and on that, our Patreon. On our Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> that is, uh, that's the place, place to go listen to all these things. <laughs> Patreon.com slash arbitrary pod. Oh, That's A R B O R T R A R Y pod. That was very loud. Sorry. Um, exactly. So, what we're talking about today and what we're kind of, uh, where we're going from our, uh, our symbiosis last week, we're talking about this Frankia. Sprankia got in this relationship, infected the alder tree. The alder tree compartmentalized around it, but didn't kill it, and now they're working together. Yeah. But they're still separate things, right? Mm-hmm. You have this Frankia inside this node of a different species entirely. The next level down, which is where we're wanting to go today, is to say, well, what happens when that barrier is broken and 
when or has it ever happened that this symbiotic relationship of, let's say, the Frankia inside of the tree, but not a part of the tree, what happens when the Frankia becomes a part of the tree? Mm-hmm. And now neither of them are separate entities, yet technically the Frankia has its own DNA inside of the tree that has its own DNA. What happens when the when the person camping outside your home moves in. Yes. Oh, my God. That's exactly it. But you're okay with that because they were camping outside your home. Like, you you gave them a shelter with your own home. Like, mm-hmm. they were they were outside, but they were kind of covered, you with, know, by like your- Like a canopy. Yeah, you got your little- You, you extend your roof out a little yeah. bit. They're underneath that. And, but they, uh, all the time, like- give you free pizza and you're like okay sounds good i'll take the free pizza you can live underneath the the canopy but at one point they start making pizza inside your kitchen (laughs) great and you're like hell yeah i don't need to eat anything else anymore i have pizza inside my kitchen forever that's very good Casey. you're good to go that's exactly what happened 1.6 billion years ago wow uh, so one point, uh, like we'll go even further back. Okay. Life existed about four billion years ago. This is gonna be a long episode. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go year by year. One billion and one. <laughs> uh, so, no, no, we're gonna we're gonna fast forward actually pretty decent ways. So four billion years ago, life existed. They were single celled organisms. They were mainly one kind. Uh, pretty much only just one kind. There was not mainly. There was one kind. Okay. They were called prokaryote cells. Hmm. A prokaryote is essentially the same kind of thing as a bacteria. Okay. Where it's a single cell, it has a membrane around it, but everything that's going on inside, like its DNA, is just kind of floating around there. Hmm. Like there's no, there's, it's all like, hey, just toss everything in this bag and go live. And it worked. It worked great for about uh, 2.4 billion years. Wow. Everything went great, but then at one point, let's say you have that amount of time, you're going to have some relationships develop, and at one point, no one knows exactly when, no one knows exactly how, we just know it certainly had to have happened, probably happened, there became a second kind of cell called a eukaryote cell, Hmm. and that cell no longer has things just randomly floating around. They have things that are immediately uh, put together in a little bag. So instead of having a giant sack filled with random stuff, and you're like, okay, how do I get this? Okay, got to dig around. Everything's kind of working. It's, it's doing fine, but it's very chaotic. What if instead you had a bag full of these things inside that other bag, then a bag full of these things that are doing this one job. So you said, okay, where's my nucleus? Oh, there it is. It's in this nucleus bag. Yeah. Where is my uh, reticulum? Oh, what is it? There's a certain term I'm looking for. Ugh, I can't remember my cell biology, mm. Alex. I looked this up earlier. I'm going to look it up right now. The powerhouse of the cell. That's all my, I remember. Yeah, that's mitochondria. Yeah. Uh, I remember there's a nucleus. Yes. And I remember there is a little squiggly green thing. Yep, that's the one. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the nucleus, the Golgi apparatus. Oh, <laughs> oh my God! Endoplasmic reticulum. Oh, yep, there it is. That's in that bag. Wow. The lycos or lysosomes. There they are over there. Got those taken care of. I haven't heard these words for twenty <laughs> years. Yeah, no one has. Even if you study biology, you probably also haven't heard them for twenty years. Wow. So this is the eukaryote cell. Okay. Now, the big thing that happened is that the eukaryote cells became, essentially, 
this newfangled idea that became extremely successful. Mm. And that cell, the eukaryote, is what's in you, me, and everything that you see. Okay. Except for the things that you don't see, a lot of those are still those prokaryote cells. Bacteria is a perfect example. So my my body's cells are eukaryote? Correct. Okay. Yeah. They, they are... In individually bound with other individually bound things inside. They're not a type of cell, right? They're just like a, a strategy of cell. Um, no, they would be a type of cell. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We have the eukaryotes and the uh, and the prokaryotes. But like my skin cells, yeah, are eukaryote skin cells. Yes, correct. Okay. And then there'd be a eukaryote heart cell in an elephant. And this tree is made up of different kinds of cells, all of which are the basic eukaryote. Okay. So the the big thing that changed, Alex, that you already brought up, is at one point the mitochondria, the engine of the cell, mm -hmm. ended up moving into that plant or uh -huh. into that other cell. But it probably started out as some other cell. Oh wow! So there's three eukaryote or pro. There were three prokaryote cells floating around in some you know plasmic soup, <laughs> and then at one point. No one really knows how. It could have happened by a couple different um, methods, but no one's really 100% sure. Um, it would be that you had one cell, it might have been, um, let's say, parasitic on another cell. It mm -hmm. just latched on and for whatever reason just kind of lived on it. Then that big cell that was being parasitized, for whatever reason, enveloped the other cell. I see. Either it was going to uh, destroy it and kill it, or it decided, okay, I actually can just keep this right here and for whatever reason it didn't die it wasn't killed it kept doing whatever it was doing but it would send out something else that then the cell it was now inside really really liked okay so that then happened pizza exactly exactly to this continue is the, the metaphor this is the pizza so you have a cell that's just like oh i'm just gonna live on the side of you and make my pizzas yeah. and the cell is like i hate you i'm gonna destroy you envelops it in this membrane inside of its cell so it can then crush it and destroy it and digest it and then it realizes hold on this stuff is pretty good this is some good pizza <laughs> you just keep on making that pizza and uh i think we're gonna have a fine time uh that happened twice with the mitochondria and with chloroplast, which ah. um, you said an allergy. It was probably more of a cyanobacteria. So it's just one, one individual cell that can do photosynthesis. Oh, okay. So then that cell did the same thing. Somehow it got inside and created this symbiotic relationship with another single prokaryote cell. Okay. But as soon as they move inside, boom, they became eukaryotes. Oh, because, okay, okay, okay. So that you, is the theory. It be, it becomes a eukaryote because it has another prokaryote inside of it, so it has like a bag within a bag. Now. That's kind of the idea. Okay, but the the evolution of how that happened yeah. is a huge mystery. No one knows. Oh sure. Because what about all these other things? What about all the uh, the endoplasmic reticulum? How did that? Was that another thing that did a certain thing that was another cell that then got enveloped also? Right. Could that have started as a eukaryote that got? taken yeah. in by another eukaryote and exactly. suddenly it's it's still a eukaryote but it's a more complex one precisely okay or it's just doing something else that was really good for this cell yeah so no one really knows all that but the one thing that we can for sure say and most likely i should add it wasn't because the endoplasmic reticulum doesn't have its own dna the mitochondria has its own dna the chloroplasts 
have their own DNA, okay. which is different from that plant cell that they are inside. Is DNA a cell? Uh, no, DNA is a, is a big, long, complex chain of uh, molecules, essentially. Okay. And, molecules are smaller than cells. Uh, yes. Molecules are, you have an atom yeah. uh, of you know, any, uh, uh, what are those things, elements. Uh-huh. When you put those atoms together, yeah. different elements together, they become molecules. Okay. And when you add more and more different molecules onto things, they become more complicated like enzymes and proteins and things like that. Yeah. Lipids. Carbohydrates. Yeah, exactly. So those are all molecules, um, but we have names for those molecules, both specific and generic names. But molecules... I'm so sorry for this. What are you talking about? Molecules are not... Obviously not living. So the difference between molecules and cells that are that is that cells have DNA and are living. Yeah, I think it made up of these different molecules and and membranes and things. Oh, cells are made of molecules. Yes, everything's made of that. Sure, it's, that's the tiniest. Like, I guess I knew building that. block. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I swear I'm not this. I just I haven't I haven't taken a science class in oh, so fucking yeah, long. Yeah, you got to dust off those books and then like rebuild that structure that you were walking on. I'm yes. Like, okay, now I can see the whole picture again. I'm rebuilding the calluses on my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> from writing with those number two pencils. Yeah. Which, for those of you who just heard us say that, Alex consistently writes with both hands. That's why his, <laughs> that's why his callus is with both hands. Anyway, just so you know. I was going for a guitar metaphor, but oh, I, I also well, like the the writing yeah, with the, two hands. Uh, Dimitri Martin does that. Our third comedian of the, of the oh. night. Anywho. Uh, so where were we? Oh, we were talking about a tree, Alex. Oh, yeah. So the reason I thought this would be really interesting is that um, we, last week you say, well, this is what it's like when you see a really complex symbiosis. Now, if we go way back in time, we see where endosymbiosis has actually happened way before, where these kinds of symbiotic relationships have happened but have been pushed and progressed to the point where now those three independent organisms are now one organism, yeah. one plant cell is, or one plant is made up of conceivably three entirely separate DNAs. Yeah. Which is really fascinating to think about. And in humans, we have mitochondria too, and you've probably heard the term mitochondrial DNA. Mm -hmm. It's like the, the, the CSI evidence, you know? Yeah. Where they actually take the DNA from your mitochondria to figure out who you are or what your parents were because that is passed down through your mother, I believe. Wow. Yeah, so you can trace all of your lineage through your mitochondrial DNA. Holy shit. And every, yeah. every lineage's mitochondrial DNA is different? Yeah, just slightly different. Wow. So, and that's the thing is that in order for the, uh, the chloroplast to be passed down to the next cell, mm -hmm. they have to provide a copy of the DNA of the chloroplast to the next cell so that that will then do it. If you take that cell out, I'm sorry, if you take the, the, the chloroplast out of the cell, the cell cannot make a new chloroplast. The chloroplast makes copies of itself. Okay. Just like any other cell makes copies of itself. Yeah. So that is a process that has been passed down for the last 1.6 billion years where wow. each individual chloroplast cell or whatever, you know, however long ago that really, you know, happened, that same chloroplast changed or uh, passed down its DNA to the next cell, 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 times every moment for every single day for 1.6 billion years. 
We're now going to introduce our new segment. Alex and Casey have to take a second. <laughs> let's set a timer for let's set a timer for twenty <laughs> seconds. Okay, and let's just breathe for a and moment. And we're just going to take in. I encourage anybody listening who's 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 all who's feeling like us to take this twenty seconds. We begin now. All right, our time is up. Holy shit! <laughs> That's insane! Do you need 20 more seconds? <laughs> I need 20 more seconds. <laughs> oh, God. So this is what blows my mind. This is like such a complex thing, and this is how you prove that these are two individual, three individual different living organisms that have lost everything. Imagine you and I get together. We've lived for one billion years, but we slowly change over time. Mm -hmm. And at one point... Alex, you are so much better at at playing guitar. I just completely lose my fingers. I lose my arms. I don't need to play guitar. I've got you to play guitar for me. Sure. I am so good at walking. You're like, I don't even need, I, as long as I can just like get on your back, Casey's going to do all the walking. You lose your feet, your legs, your knees, your everything. Yeah. All of a sudden, we keep going, well, I guess, I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't even say all of a sudden. Then over time, slowly, you lose everything everything except your arms and your brain to play your arms. In right. fact, you lose everything in your brain to do everything else, only play guitar. Sure. I lose everything else except my walking and the brain parts that say, here's how you walk. Right. This is what happened to these other cells. They lost everything else. It's all evolved away mm. except for... I make energy from the sun and I turn it into ATP and then sugars. It's pretty cool. That's all it does. Everything else that used to make that cell function no longer does. So it's, it is 100% a part of the cell that it's inside, but separate. We've used the analogy before, and I'll refine this analogy too, as if we need one more analogy. People need, understand yeah, it by now. They but, get it. Um, it's like when a company hi hires out, it contracts another company uh -huh. to do something. Yeah. Um, that other company does a lot of other stuff for other clients, mm -hmm, but for mm -hmm. this client, they just make this thing, right? A widget. Is that what yeah, <laughs> sure. the school people talk about? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, so eventually they get so much, they give so much business to this company to make this one little thing yeah. that they go, you know what? I want, we want to buy your company and move into our building. Yes. And continue to just make this thing Perfect. for us. Exactly. That whole team moves into that building. Yep. And now they're they're not working for any other client doing any other thing. They are just making widgets for this company. Exactly. They are now a part of the company. They're on the payroll making widgets. 100%. That's a perfect example. Yeah. So that's the thing that happened. And that, for me, Alex, yeah. makes it like more clear when we talk about what is a leaf and why, what is this clay-dode thing? How does this work? And what did this tree do? So 230 million years ago, that tree, instead of saying, I'm going to always put in the leaves, it said, oh, I'm going to do this over here. And it just kind of points to, in my opinion, the fact that um, there is a way to do it, but there's also like the, I guess... It's hard for me to like put in words right now. I'm still thinking about like the the evolutionary time where things can change and be done a different way. I yeah. guess. Yeah. So if you want another twenty seconds, we can give you. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. Um, so I I wanted to talk about endosymbiosis 
and how the leaf and the old cell types have kind of come together and done something completely different. And the fact that this tree and a bunch of other plants are like, hey, I don't need to do it the same way. I'm going to do it completely different and show how fluid um, this, this cell thing is where uh, it's not that everything has to be passed down perfectly the same way where some little, some little agreement is made and things are done this way or they're done that way. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's mind blowing to me how evolution works where you can have these 1.6 billion years ago, these two single cells become a now double cell and change the world for the foreseeable future. Meanwhile, you have one tree that 230 million years ago said, Leaves are stupid. I'm not going to use them. I'm just going to put them in these twigs over here, and uh, that's where I'm going to do my photosynthesis. Right. Unfortunately, they didn't change the world. <laughs> the poor things. <laughs> they they used to be all over the northern uh, hemisphere, and now they've just completely disappeared, except for this beautiful little. Uh, used to be even more forests in Japan. Yeah. So and a little bit of a sad story there, but. I don't know. I just think uh, this is a perfect tree to kind of, uh, it shirks the way that things work. Yeah. And uh, it, it, they do it differently. And then you get the, uh, the idea of these cells doing things differently where they make this connection and, and just say, hey, we're going to go left while everyone else is going right. Yeah. And it's just a wacky tree doing wacky stuff in a wacky way. And uh, I like that. It's fascinating stuff, Casey. And I, I think I've reached, you know, some... Usually we'll talk about trees or some kind of cultural thing. Yeah. Maybe a maybe a drop of religion here and there. Mm -hmm. Then every once in a while we get sort of deep in the weeds in biology. Yeah. While you're you know you're up to your ankles in weeds, I am like there. The weeds have gone inside my esophagus. Have <laughs> created a symbiotic relationship with me. Yeah, you're becoming like a Jumanji character. Yes. Yeah. They take me over completely, and I reach my limit pretty quickly. Yeah. As far as like learning about biology things. Sure. Sure. Like today, I I discovered. I, I learned about molecules for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Now, now I'm sorry. Describe so, to me this molecule one more time. This is a fascinating concept. So I think it would be a good time for us to move into our review. I think that's a great idea. Of the what I'm calling the Japanese umbrella pine. That is right. Here's how it works. We're going to give a few final parting words to this to this great ancestor of an ancient time. Yeah. And then give it a rating of 0 to 10 golden cones of honor. You know what might be fun, Casey? Ooh, what? Is giving it 0 to 10 golden cladodes of Connor oh, of honor. I like of Connor. <laughs> Connor's cladodes. I got too good to sleep last night. My brain's not working today. <laughs> yes, yeah, best best problem to have. <laughs> As our resident microbiologist, we'll begin with you. All right, that sounds great. So, I'm a big fan of conifers, of course. Uh, this yeah. is no superlative conifer. It doesn't get the biggest, the tallest, anything like that. But I have a special place in my heart for these ancient Japanese conifers. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, Japan and the Pacific coast of the United States share a conifer diversity that is just outstanding. Really? Yeah. So, like, there's a lot of species that only grow right here on the west coast of the United States. Hmm. The sequoias and the... Um, uh, Coast Redwoods, perfect example. A, yeah. a bunch of other species I could give uh, give an example of, but also like we have a huge diversity of them. So like we have more fir trees growing in one spot than I, I think see. anywhere else on the planet. Cool. But Japan 
also has this mind-blowing diversity of like trees that don't exist anywhere else, like endemic trees. But not only endemic, where it's like, oh, this is the only species of uh, of spruce tree that grow. It only grows on this island. This this is this species only grows on this island. Whereas Japan has like this is the only, and I, I should expand this out to like China as well. China does this also, um, where this is the only place that this tree exists, and there's nothing even else close to it in the the entire world that is remotely uh, close to it in terms of lineage. Mm. And that makes this tree really cool. Where it is, it's on the level of ginkgo, on the yeah. level of Don Redwood. Yeah. Where there's nothing that's even close to it, and it crushes it every single time. I think it's beautiful. I love the cones. I love the coniferness of it because you know what? You look at it, and you're like, yeah, it's a pine tree. Wait a second. Right. That's not a pine tree. That's a podocarp. Wait, it's that's not a podocarp. Who are you? <laughs> it makes my day. So I, I think I'm going to give the uh, umbrella pine. I, I think I'm going to go. I'm going to go like eight point eight. Eight point eight. Yeah, I just think they're such beautiful trees. That's a great score, Casey. Yeah, and I, I just I love finding new trees, and I've known about this one for a long time, but you can't like just go outside and be like, yeah, there's a, there's one right over there, probably like you can with almost any other tree we've covered. Yeah, uh, well, it can probably like seventy five percent. If you want to go out and find one of these trees, you need to search for it. Right. And when you find it, you're going backpacking. It, you're gonna, yeah, you're going backpacking in the mountains of Japan, or you're going to go just find your way through Hoyt Arboretum and stumble upon it and be like, whoa. Is there one at Hoyt? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think oh, there's wow. probably one or two. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd like to go see it. Hey, I can take you right there. <laughs> Let's go 8. now. 8.8. 8. 8. what 8. I say. 8.8 golden claydodes of honor. That's right. From microbiologist Casey Clapp. Now, uh, astute student of microbiology, yes. Alex Croson, if you had an opinion on this tree, what would it be? Uh, I love it. I love an, I love an ancient tree. I love yeah. a living fossil. Mm-hmm. Big fan. Is this considered a living fossil? Absolutely. Sure, yeah. 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 Um, I like a tree that makes the bristlecone pine look like a young whippersnapper. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not the same thing. Hey, we're some, talking. Yeah. We're talking uh, evolutionary <laughs> age, not uh, not whatever age. Whatever else, chronological yeah. age. Well, yeah, well, well, we know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, us here, our crew, we get you. <laughs> yeah, a crew of two. That's all you need. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm feeling. I. I love the way. I love the way it sort of like took a different approach to leaves mm-hmm. and to its chlorophyll. Yep, and it's chloroplast. Yeah, I so still don't know the difference, but I will someday. <laughs> um, I'm gonna. I'm feeling. I'm feeling. I'm feeling a very well. I'm. Th- you know how sometimes we give a, a score that's really like solid. Yeah, yeah. This yeah, is yeah. a rock solid seven point for me. Mm, okay, that's you're disappointed. Good. I'm, I'm not disappointed. I think if we went to Japan and we saw these, oh, that's true of every tree we talk about. Our minds. Yeah, yeah, that is very. That's very fair. Yeah. But seven point oh um, is 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 where I'm landing, and it's, yeah, it's a I would take it. True golden claydodes, a hundred percent underplanted tree. Go out, buy one, plant them. There you go. Enjoy it. Hey, how often do you get one of those? Very rarely, in fact, very yeah. rarely. But they're not like they're. I think they're vulnerable because they've been cut down a lot in in past times. Oh geez. Uh, but they're in the nursery trade. They're all over the place. Like okay. you, can, you can definitely buy one and plant it, and I think it grows pretty well. Like. Kind of everywhere. Hmm. Uh, you can plant them over here on the Pacific Coast. There's a guy who made a forest of them in New Jersey. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah, there's 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 options out there. Awesome. Well, that was our review 
of the Japanese Umbrella Pine, it's time for the completely arbitrary Q&A. This week's question is from the Patreon. Oh, Patreon.com. Jenny asks, I was just wondering, do either of you have a favorite fact that you've discovered as a result of doing research for the podcast? Any standout wow moments? Ooh, now that, that is a really, really hard one, Alex. Yeah, I, I have a, I'll, while you're doing that. Yeah, what do you have? Do you have, do you have an answer already? I have, I've, I've, I have a bit of an answer. Okay. I have sort of a broad answer. Ooh, okay. But doing the Croson's Homegrown Trivia has mm-hmm. been really fun for me. Yeah, yeah. And any anytime I, I find out that you can, like, make a tea out of something and it helps, oh. you know, rheumatism or something. Yeah. I, I love any sort of, like, uh, medicinal... Uh, qualities. I love discovering about medicinal qualities or like, yeah. hey, you can eat this part of the tree. Yeah, um, gotcha. That stuff is always really interesting to me. Nothing that's like, compl- well, I'm sure there has been stuff that's completely blown me away. Like the, mm-hmm. what we talked about today, the chloroplast yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. moving into the leaves and it having originally been a, a different cell. Yeah, or different organism. That is really yeah. I th- I think that that also speaks uh, to where my where my first brain went is like I can't like put one one specific thing but there's yeah. like a bunch of like different things that that really jump out at me yeah where it's like oh that was a really interesting fact that's that's mind-blowing but then I, whenever you hear these other things you're like oh i love that i want more of that i want more of that i want more of that yeah it's like types of types of discoveries yeah, exactly yeah um so yeah i choose i my my answer is uh learning that you can use uh, different parts of the trees for different, uh, yeah, either medicinal purposes okay. or culinary purposes. Okay, well, that's pretty, that's a pretty good answer, I think. Yeah, what do you think? What's your what's a topic that you that you yeah your discoveries? I think um, for me, and this came from doing research uh, for the um, uh, what tree? Oh my god, why am I doing this? I just there it is right there. The Italian cypress. Oh, as well as the catalpa. Two mm-hmm. trees I've known and loved for years and years. Um, but I reached out because I wanted to do something on um, taxonomy. So then I looked up and I found um, I found the book that is uh, our main resource for those two um, those two things, and that is the Naming Nature by Carol Kasich Yoon. Hmm. And I think that's one of the most um, like fascinating books that I've read in a long time. The the big thing that came to me uh, is the like I think my favorite fact. Again, I could think of many. For example, runner-up, learning that uh, the black walnut does not actually oh. destroy, uh, does cause the alleliopathy. Yes. Love that, because I think we like were the first people to actually say that out loud, other than, <laughs> um, what's her name, who wrote the article? Sure. So credit for the, the first person to write it, but uh, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think everyone in the world heard that for the first time like we did. Yeah, discovering things that, that we thought were certain, yeah, were not are not certain exactly. or completely opposite. S- so good is always is always a treat. Um, yeah. So in this case, I think that's actually goes in with naming nature. Where I thought that like I never gave two thoughts about uh, how we name nature. I thought we just kind of do it. Like I I didn't think about it. And when I read that book, it was like this umwelt idea. Mm. I was like, whoa, what exactly does that mean? And it was introduced early in the book and then she kept on moving through it and really like expanded this idea and painted the picture of it. And I think to this day, that's probably one of my favorite, um, 
I'm going to say facts or concepts that have come up where it's like we as humans, how we see and perceive things, and then giving that uh, over to everything else yeah. in the world and how they perceive and see things. And that, I think, is something that uh, it's probably my favorite. I'm going to say fact just to go with the, the question because mm-hmm. I love that. It makes me – it feels like it puts me in my place to some extent, but it also opens my mind up to say, oh, it, this isn't the only way to do things. Yeah. There is a million different ways. It just happens that this is a way that we are doing it now. There you have it. Love that. Thank you so much for your question, Jenny. If you have a question for us about trees, email us or any uh, any other topic. Yeah. You know, if you want to just talk um, bowling, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com. That's A R B O R T R A R Y pod. Follow us on Instagram at arbitrarypod or support this podcast, mm-hmm. patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. You can join the Arboretum for five bucks a month and get two bonus episodes, one fortnightly. Yes, indeed. Or the Cone of the Month Club and get a unique die cut cone sticker. Illustrated by an independent artist and printed here locally in Portland, Oregon. Sent to you in your mailbox mm-hmm. every month. It's a lot of fun. This month, the bunya. I love it. The bunya, bunya. bunya. It's a perfect tree. Casey. Alex. We've the, done it again. We've done, we've done it again. How could we have known? What have you done? Who says that? A podcast. It's from something. Ooh, I have no idea. I think it's from a lot of things. It sounded, it? Like, uh, it sounded like uh, Billy Crystal or something. Done. Usually I think that's like uh, someone makes a... Oh, uh, Paris steals uh, Helen of Troy, you know? Oh. What have you done? You've it's... caused war between oh. the Echinids uh, and the Trojans. What are they? Is this covered in your History of Rome podcast? No, that's Greek history. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's different time period. Whoops. <laughs> Oh, boy. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Completely Arbitrary. Hey, we got more symbiosis talk next week. That's right. Tune in for the exciting conclusion. We'll see you next time. Oh, wow. Bye-bye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>